and welcome to week six of the Ask LFC podcast. Uh, we're sitting down here uh, with you guys and uh, excited to, to get into unpacking a little bit of last week's sermon here. I'm sitting with Pastor Mike. Hello, Harrison. This is Harrison Gilmey. What's up, guys? Also, good to see you. Yeah. And we are about six feet apart. That's but right. we are in the we same are. room. We're trying to be careful about that. Yeah, and we have been since this has all been going down, but we... Uh, the same precautions. I mean, we've talked about this with some of our teams, but just so you guys know, really since this has happened, and especially doubly, triply so since uh, the governor's orders over the past couple of weeks, even even in what we're doing on Sunday mornings, uh, we are we are obnoxiously mm-hmm. adhering to yeah, guidelines. Yeah. So. We're being very careful to only have ten in the entire worship center, which feels odd. Uh, and then 10 in another part of the building, so, uh, less than 10, supporting the service technically so that we can all worship. Harrison, I don't know how else to start today's podcast than to say it got real and personal to me yesterday, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, in that um, I received news that uh, a friend of mine uh, had died from complications regarding it. He was 61 years old, not, I used to think, Oh, that's just an old man. Uh, old, you know, old people are susceptible to everything. Sixty-one is young, um, and so he's a friend of mine. Not a, not a really close friend, but I also have prayed over the phone with a couple of different Lake Forest ministry partners who've lost a loved one or a relative due to complications from this virus. And so mm. it's personal, real. It maybe has gotten personal and real to you who are listening our friends, um, and may get more that way in the next week or so. Yeah, for sure. We were, uh, last night, had our first meeting with our new community group via, oh, via Zoom, which was really cool. So you actually listened to your pastor. I did. And, and started regathering. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> meeting back up. And we That's were, outstanding. We are, we're in a group with a, a number of Lake Forest families, and one of those is, is – uh, Jeff and Rebecca Cook, who's on staff here, was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and Rebecca shared um, that it is scary for them right now because all their family and all the people they care about that don't live here are in New Jersey and elderly parents, and it's it's hitting everybody right now. Even even if it's not uh, you have personally known someone. Uh, there are people that we know and care about that are high risk and live in higher risk areas than even we are. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's real right now. I'll, I'll be on the phone later today with one of our dear ministry partners who's in our community group whose uh, father lost a sister in, in the New York area uh, to complications related to the disease. And so it's, it's, it's very personal. Uh, so today we want to talk about two things. Harrison, you're going to ask me a question as a follow-up to this week's sermon, which is? Yeah, we'll start there. Um, You talked on Sunday about hope, which um, for us as Christ followers is the next step that we always take after despair. It's it's sometimes a while down the path of appropriately healing, but for us as Christ followers— Somewhere down that road for us, after grief or despair or fear, comes hope. Mm, yeah. Um, so you talked about anchoring hope, 
And one way that we do that is in God's word. So the, the question to start off, the part one question would be, um, what other practical advice do you do you have on, on how to do that as you've uh, walked and had a relationship with God for a long time other than just sitting down, cracking it open and pointing to a page and saying, oh, how about that one? <laughs> the rando approach yeah. to getting in God's Word. I want to offer the most t- uh, tried and true answer Christians have given for about, gosh, uh, 50, 80 years now. Uh, the second part of our podcast, I want to address for a moment, I want us to ask the question for a moment, why? Why a virus? From a scientific point of view, God, why? I'm not going to answer that question why, obviously, but I want to explore it in the second part of our podcast. So, good question. Thank you for paying attention to my sermon yesterday, and clearly you followed through and rooted more in your church community doing life with others, and that's partly to study God's Word. That, that's the center core, because it points us to Jesus of Christian community, and just uh, the most popular, well-used, well-recommended way of getting in God's Word for decades and decades is a, a devotional called My Utmost for His Highest by a man named Oswald Chambers. I'm going to tell you about him in just a moment. But friends, a lot of you at Lake Forest, uh, one of the things we love about our church is it's a lot of people exploring a relationship with God through Jesus for the first time. You didn't necessarily grow up uh, being taught this by your parents or perhaps for some reason or another you rejected it or were, were, were factored through hurt out of a Christian community. And, uh, and so as we're a church for people who've given up on church but not on God, you, you may be in a new relationship with God here at Lake Forest. And so you might not have heard of this. I want to make sure you have. (laughs) Some things are, hey, everybody does that. And it's just because it's conventional and and conventional means lame. Sometimes when, hey, everybody does that, it's because everybody's on to (laughs) something. And when it comes to this devotional, Harrison, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And if you're ordering it right now while you're listening to the podcast, I really encourage you to get a physical book version. There is also, in the meantime, while you're waiting waiting for Amazon for a week to deliver it, if that is the case, there is actually uh, there is actually a free app that delivers the daily devotion straight to your phone. Outstanding! Which, Thank which you is great. for so discovering you can, you can that. do that in the in the meantime, which is very helpful. So, Harrison, uh, have you ever used this devotional? My utmost for a site. It's it's date. It's one page per day. It's a verse or two. And then a one-page reflection, so it's not super long, but dude, it's targeted. Have you ever used this? Yeah, I have. Uh, I have actually a couple copies at our house. I have the Oswald Chambers in his uh, in his original writing form, and I have another one that's actually like a slightly updated, really? yeah, like a slightly updated English version where they like modernized it a little bit which friends I did not know this about Harrison so you're a geek out fan of my utmost for his highest yeah I have been for a while and there have been seasons um where I'll take a year on or off of spending time Mm -hmm. going through and just what I particularly like about uh his writing for especially for us now is that he um 
he's not afraid to, well, I, I love some of the ways that he takes a turn mm-hmm. with a particular passage of scripture that lets you see something you haven't seen before, but he's also not ashamed at all about really getting to the bottom line of saying, get past all of the other stuff. Cause it's really about, uh, serving Christ and growing in his love and making him known. And he kind of really does a good job of helping, helping you cut past all the other stuff. And he's so incisive in, in that single page. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I recommend it to every single one of you, frankly, just to have in your library. Like you, Harrison, there have been certain years when I've chosen this. I, I switch up my devotional habit of how I read God's Word and how I pray daily. Uh, for me, that's about five times a week. Um, I switch that up every year because if you get in a rut with any relationship, um, th- that gets boring and you sort of fall away in any relationship, um, and that includes our relationship with God. And so I recall using this when I was a young father, two little boys in diapers at home. My routine in the morning, uh, Angie, our agreement was Angie would deal with whatever boy was rustling around it in the night so I could get a good night's sleep and go to work. I would get up early with whoever got up first. Um, and so I, it was not a season in my life, even though I had a seminary degree, where I was going to break out my Greek New Testament and parse a bunch of verbs and, and do my own insightful study of Scripture. Yeah, I needed someone to help me with that. And I would just turn to the page for the day while I was sitting there with a little boy in diapers watching Barney. And I would turn to that page, and God gave me sustenance as a young father uh, for that season of my life. I'd I might have done it for multiple years. Um, those years are a fog to me because we had two boys in diapers. And some of you are in a season of life a bit like that right now. Um, Harrison, do you know uh, where and when Oswald Chambers wrote this material? At some point, I probably would have known that, but I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, he is uh, an Englishman, was an Englishman. And he became a chaplain to the British Army stationed in Egypt in World War I. So he was actually in uh, a, a really dire circumstance in the desert of Egypt living in a tent. I believe I recall his wife was with him. Hmm. Uh, or maybe that I'm just recalling that she edited these later. But so he was daily serving men who were wounded, who were in mortal fear, many of whom knew they were going to die soon in, in the, if you recall, the style of warfare of World War I. And that's the circumstance. It was not, he wasn't sitting in his, in his British garden yeah. contemplating flowers and bumblebees on a sunny day when he wrote these. Uh, it was in the gritty circumstances of life f- contemplating the reality of death. Perhaps that's one more reason why they're so potent. Hmm. There's a passage um, that I just pulled up just a couple sentences from literally today's. I looked at today's also, up. yeah. How, how, I was going to point to that, how, April 1st. How good is this? He it's says, spot on I know. For now. 
He says, I'll read a quick uh, couple sentences of it if I'm not stealing your thunder, Mike. No, I'm so glad you did. It says, we should take a look at our current circumstances. Do crises which affect us or others in our home, business, country, or elsewhere seem to be crushing in on us? Are we being pushed out of the presence of God and left with no time for worship? If so, we must put a stop to such distractions and get into such a living relationship with God that our relationship with others is maintained through the work of intercession where God works his miracles. Boom. Shakalaka. Yep. That's pretty pretty appropriate. So good. If I didn't have a really great devotional guide that I'm using now, I would switch back to this. So friends, um, it's really important to have a companion or a guide in your devotional habits of consuming God's Word daily. We need that right now. You need to live by not bread alone, not Cheeto snacks alone, whatever your snack of choice is during this time. What's yours? I just had Cheetos last night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's funny. We need to live not just by Cheetos alone, (laughs) but by, as Jesus said, by every word that comes from the mouth of God, and he meant God's word, the Bible, is your sustenance. Harrison, can I finish this section by telling a little vignette about where the spiritual power came in Oswald Chambers' life? Sounds good. It relates to the uh, my sermon three Sundays ago on prayer. And it was Jesus teaching about prayer, and he said, ask, seek, knock. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Maybe. And at I the do. end of it, in Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Not just how much more will the Father give to you, but if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the power to activate the gift of Christ in our life, the identity of Christ in us. The Holy Spirit activates that. So we actually live the fruit of the Spirit, patience, endurance, courage, etc. And And it is this verse that Oswald Chambers, I had this in my sermon, but we're keeping sermons shorter during online worship, so you'll be glad to know I just didn't give these last two pages of my sermon. But this verse changed Oswald Chambers' life. Um, this verse about ask the Holy Spirit and, he'll, and God will give it to you always, it's addressed to believers, not just unbelievers, which is a paradox in our Christian faith. All Christians have the indwelling Holy Spirit, and... It's not nonsense when we say we need continually to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not, not to have the Spirit come in again, but to give ourselves over to the Spirit's occupancy or mastery in our lives. Um, and, and that's why Jesus ends that classic teaching on prayer with, if you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he'll give it. Well, check this out. Oswald Chambers, he was a philosophy professor at Dunoon College in England. And he was a Christian, but, but he, he had a deep conviction that though he was a Christian, he thought of himself as a dull, often defeated, disillusioned Christian. And it came to a climax, and this speaker came, like some pastor guy, a Dr. F.B. Meyer. I don't know who he is, but he was a guy who mostly talked about how to live the Spirit-filled life. And he preached on this very verse. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And in that sermon, Oswald Chamber, he he wrote this later, 
that his, his heart awakened this great desire. He had this sense, I'm a defeated Christian. And he wrote, the, here are his words uh, uh, that he wrote uh, after listening to that sermon. He wrote, if, if what I've known so far is all there is to Christianity, if I've got all there is, then Christianity is a fraud. Hmm. And he became hungry for more of God. And when he heard Dr. Meyer speak on that verse, he said it came to his heart, it came home to him with gripping power. And he describes there was a brief but fierce battle in his thinking. And he said, Lord, all right, I ask you now for the Holy Spirit. I take the Holy Spirit. I receive the Holy Spirit to empower all of your blessings and benefits now by faith in my life. And here's what he says. The result was nothing emotional. There was no feeling of power, no sense of vision, no deeper realization of God, nothing. And he said his next step was to talk it all out with a friend. And in the talk, the friend reminded him that Jesus said, quote, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And that the Spirit is simply a gift from God to be taken, to be accepted, and that's all. And Chambers said there came to him like a flash the sudden realization that what he was asking was that God would give him a sense of power so that he could hold it in his hand and be like, hey, look, I've got this power of God because I laid everything down for Jesus at the altar. And Chambers said, instead, I simply came to realize that God intended me, having asked, to simply take it by faith and that that power of the Spirit would be there. And I might see it only by the backward look, but I was to reckon, to count on the fact God had given the Spirit to be with me, to do, and then to get up and do. And five years later, Oswald Chambers recorded the results of this experiment of faith, counting on that God had given him the Holy Spirit. He wrote this, If the previous four years of my life had been nothing but hell on earth, the last five have been heaven on earth. Every aching abyss of my heart has been filled with the overflowing love of God. Love is the beginning, the middle, and the end. Hmm. That's the kind of man I want to mentor my faith as I engage God's word daily. I'm thankful for my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers as a gift to the world Christian community. Um, that was really cool stuff to learn. So thanks, Mike, for that. And I hope everybody that um, you give a shot to, to taking it up and taking a look at what Oswald Chambers has written. It's really good stuff. We want to turn the page now to the second question. Um, there's actually uh, another podcast I listen to at times. And the name of the podcast is Ask Science Mike. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I'm going to I'm going to for this for this time, we're going to call you Science Mike. We're, you're Science okay. Mike today. Hey, so. Hey. We're going we're gonna to get a little sciencey, and we and want to dig in a little more to your point, Mike, and um, ask a why question. Why, why a virus? Why this virus? You know, how, how does this stuff come together? At Lake Forest Church, one of our distinctives is we want to be Christians who value the life of the mind. God is always okay with the question why. We cannot always grasp or comprehend or uh, 
get our way around to the answer, but it's always okay to answer why. And Harrison, I am shocked, and I mean shocked, at the number of people who walk into Lake Forest who the first time they hear me say something like that, they say, I was told to never ask why. And it, it just opens up this whole new universe of their faith that they can ask why. Um, to me, it's like a no-duh. Uh, God gave us our minds and rationality. So I want to talk about this question. Um, two different angles, maybe. Insights from science. And, and all I'm doing here is passing along things that I've learned from a few podcasts I listen to. Mm-hmm. A primary podcast that I listen to is BioLogos. Bio, B-I-O, Logos, L-O-G-O-S. They're a uh, Christianity and science organization, and I, I, I just love their, their podcast. I listen to it often. And so this is from a recent podcast of theirs, and some of the things that I'll say in the latter half of this podcast, if you go and listen to their entry a few weeks ago on this coronavirus, you'll hear exactly these words. So I'm, I'm speaking clearly. First of all, it's interesting to me, do you know why the coronavirus is named Corona and no, it's not the beer? I have read, I didn't prepare for this question, so if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I've read because as you zoom in on the structure of the molecule that it has kind of like a crown a crown shape to it. Yes, it, it has a crown-like shape. I, I learned that also uh, probably after you. And, and it's a virus, and viruses are sort of alive. Um, they're not exactly a, a living organism this, the same way a parasite. It, it, it's a parasitic organization. It has to hijack a living cell to manufacture more themselves. That's the way it does. And it has this little shell around it that is its Achilles heel. And, and it is true that just regular old soap and water takes it down. And that's the big idea of washing our hands constantly, not touching our, hand, our, our face. Because if you're out and about and you get the virus on your hands, if you wash your hands before you touch your face, you will not get the virus unless you inhaled it because you were not paying attention to social distancing. So that washing hands thing really is sim- simple, and it's science-based. Um, uh, the symptoms that victims of the coronavirus experience are a mix. Half of the symptoms are the virus destroying cells in your body. But the other half is, of the symptoms are our immune system um, destroying the virus itself. So it's this battle going on inside. Um, and our immune system is actually doing that all the time. It's fighting off all sorts of things every day, including cancer. Like it's always fighting stuff um, uh, often. And so th- th- there's a lot of uncertainty about this virus. But uh, as you're aware, I- anyone who's following the news, we're gaining uncertainty every day, every week as we study it, as scientists do. And it will take about 18 months. That There's not many ways to shorten that curve, maybe a few. Um, to have a, an antidote. But what's really interesting to me is we can understand how it works. We're gaining that understanding through its genomes, its chemistry. And here's the first way that this relates to our, face, uh, our faith. See, this depends on the world working the same way it did yesterday. Uh, and, and when we focus on the world scientifically, we see a world that was created a certain, uh, according to certain rules. 
that's what scientists are using to master this knowledge of this virus right now. And those rules are a kind of a gift. We can use them to understand and eventually uh, fight against this virus. And uh, Harrison, I heard a scientist say that that's comforting to them in the midst of all we don't know or understand. And, and it's a way that points to the fact that God created, God is the grand rationality behind all things, and that's why there are natural rules or natural laws. Atheists have no way of, of describing or understanding or telling us why, why are things orderly? Why do they work the same today as yesterday? Uh, one w- word for these rules or laws in biblical Greek is logos, and it means rules or rationality. And, and the science of biology, which is what's attacking this, this virus, it has the word logos in it, hmm. bio-logos, yep. biology. Uh, and, and so our biologists are playing by the same rules of biological behavior that, that is so much bigger than we are. And, and there's so many things we don't know right now, Harrison. I don't know if this surface has the virus. I don't know if my wife will get the coronavirus. But I know, I know, I know, I know, scientists can sequence and will sequence the COVID-19 genome. They will come to understand it. They will defeat it like we do other diseases. That's a gift. That's a bit of control that's given to us as homo sapiens, and we're taking some control in the face of it. And, and, And that's from God. Yeah, as we've been walking together through this season of Lent, it's really relevant. And what's what's funny is that one of the things that I wanted to do throughout this season as it started as kind of like a, a taking on thing was being able to take on more uh, quiet hmm. and slowing down, <laughs> taking a silence. And I'm like, um, this is your fault. Maybe, yes, not, too, maybe not this much. Um, well, I, one of my favorite posts online was from someone, a Christian who said, I wasn't planning on giving up this much for Lent. Yeah. <laughs> I think Gave that's true. Gave up everything. <laughs> it's true for all of us. Right. And so it may be, I, I'm, I'm not going to claim that that is the purpose in this, but I believe that God can call us because we are in this through, through a, 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 a season um, that does have a lot of suffering going on, um, but can call us to uh, this rhythm of the Christian year to reflect to refocus, to repent. It's the season for Christians anyway, and not do our normal things, but to put on, to your point, we're to put on something, and we can put on, even as science is going to gain control of this, but not yet. What we can put on is looking after our neighbor. What we can put on is tending to our family, even as we're shut in with them. Uh, We can help eliminate the suffering of this virus by distancing from others. That's something that we can view as a Lenten fast and extend it after Easter. Um, meanwhile, remembering the season of Lent anyway is to remember the suffering of Jesus who identifies with our suffering. He, and we identify with him and his suffering because he, he, in solidarity with the suffering of humanity, including this, he said, I know, I understand and then he redeemed it on the cross. And that's why next week, Holy Week, we'll, we'll have a, a, a rhythm, a specific rhythm. We'll talk about that on Sunday. Yeah. Um, 
next week for Holy Week, we'll invite you to live in a specific rhythm leading up to Easter, sort of in God's rhythm, in solidarity of, of Jesus' suffering and our own suffering, even in the face of this academic epidemic. How can I live like Jesus? Pour myself out to help the suffering of others the way Jesus poured himself out for the suffering of the church and of the world. So I look forward to this Palm Sunday. We're going we're gonna to point our tribe and you friends towards some specific uh, corporate all together at the same time, not in the same space, Holy Week practices. But Harrison, I'd like to return to the science of it one more time. Yeah. May I? Yeah, that would be... I'm not that, really science, Mike. No, that would be great because I, just as an aside, as you're heading into this this point, is what, what I appreciate about this kind of thinking is that um, God is, God is desires us to grow in, in wisdom. Like that's, that's a thing that, that Mm -hmm. a a trait that he desires in us. And it just, like you said, it, um, it's, it's an area for us to grow at at times, depending on how, how we were raised or, or who, who people that we've looked up to in the faith is that, there, there are some times where uh, people who are Christ followers feel like asking questions about a thing means that you don't have enough faith or something about yeah. about a thing. And what was really uh, an eye-opening way for me to look at it was was to think, if there is some question or something that you can dig into or ask that will just unravel who God is, then then who you thought. God is, is not who he was to begin with anyways. So, so, so there's no questions that, that are literally none that are not worth asking. Choosing to not ask the questions may be a form of unbelief that really deep down inside, I think God can't stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. That you'll pull uh, that, you'll pull that thread yeah. and it'll just keep coming yeah. and things will unravel. So okay. I, to, to that point with, with how we're approaching this virus, I think leaning into the, the wisdom God's given us and where we have come to with people who can understand science, man, that is, that's a way he directly answers our prayers. It's yes, like, God help, yes. help, help heal us from this thing. And he's like, Hey, I'm helping those dudes do it right there. They're I'm figuring... helping them develop a faster test. That's I'm right. helping them de- develop. Okay. Harrison question for you. Do you know how many viruses there are in this world? I'm sure. Oh, is it is it millions? Come on, man! What's wrong with you? You don't know the answer to that question. No, I did get down a Google <laughs> rabbit trail the other day trying to figure out if viruses were alive. Okay, but. check this out. There are ten to the thirty-one power viruses. Wow, that is more than the stars of every galaxy in the universe. Man, like whoa! So there, that's a whole ton of them. A virus is a piece of genetic material. It can be DNA or RNA. And again, it's got this little protective case that is soluble by water and soap. And it wants to replicate itself. So interesting, it's the same impulse God put in human beings and animals and plants. God has put this impulse that is said in Genesis 1 and 2 this way, be fruitful and multiply. Hmm. He didn't implant that just in human beings. He told it to us verbally but he implanted it in the animal and the biological kingdom. And, and that's inter- isn't it? I just, that's interesting in and of itself and tells us something about God. It wants to replicate itself, but it has to have a host to feed off of. 
Now, this COVID-19 virus is, is only different in that it's new. That's why it's called novel. And that's why our bodies aren't used to it, our world isn't used to it. We will get used to it, and it won't be this threat in the future, likely. Uh, now, we only talk about viruses. I thought this was interesting. I heard this on a Science and Faith podcast. We only talk about viruses when a pandemic hits or uh, flu is particularly bad, you know, in a winter. And, and, of course, that's understandable. But but the reality is there are these billions and billions of viruses, at, which leads us to be like, why? You know, did you, I'm sure, like me, your family sat around slapping your skin on a summer night like, why, God, did you create mosquitoes? And then you start talking about that. Well, so frogs have something to eat, and I'm happy there's frogs in this world. You know, all that kind of thing. Um, but why viruses? Okay, this is super interesting. Let me be quick. The vast majority of viruses don't infect humans or animals. They infect bacteria. Now, guess what? Bacteria is just as prevalent as viruses. It's like the same mm-hmm. 10 to 31 power in the world. And bacteria is essential for life. Like, Bacteria, what they do, I didn't remember this from science class, but I just relearned it. They take, bacteria take inorganic material and turn it into organic material. So that's the only reason life as we know it and humanity exists. And so when we look for life on other planets, for example, they're looking, are there bacteria? Because it takes bacteria to turn the inorganic to the organic. Um, But check this out, bacteria are not, the good guys in the white cowboy hat in this Western movie. Bacteria are are so prolific as multipliers that if they went unchecked, they would overtake the world. We wouldn't exist, including you and your beautiful family, Harrison. Yep. So check this out. This is cool. The vast majority of viruses do the work in creation and nature to keep bacteria in check. Hmm. So there's a part of us that needs to be extraordinarily grateful that viruses exist. They keep bacteria in check so that you, me, my dog, Copper, could exist. And as we learn more and more through the sciences, we, we learn this, that God's creation is in this, this, this balanced ecological niche. And this is the niche of bacteria and viruses. And it's a different perspective. Uh, than just viruses are bad. It's a small subset of viruses that can infect us and an even smaller subset that are fatal. And, and, and I heard one scientist say it's fair to compare a, this virus to our weather systems and the system between viruses and bacteria to weather systems that, that sometimes produce a tornado. But the system in its entirety, in its complexity, in its beauty, in its brilliance of design is necessary for our lives to exist. And it starts to teach us something about life itself, about God's creation of this world, frankly. Like everything beautiful and good and awe-inspiring. Harrison, even on Sunday mornings when you lead us in worship, like we're quick to praise God for those things. And we should, shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. You, like that's your job. You're the maestro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of your job that way? You're the maestro of praising God for every good and perfect gift. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's point, pointing people and pointing people in the direction uh, like we talked about a couple of years ago here at Lake Forest, getting glimpses of the kingdom. That's a lot of what we do as we, as we sing and worship Him together. But even 
as we should praise God for those things, the same stuff that we praise him for also leads to pain that we don't like. Uh, It's sort of like the decision we make as a human being to love others. We're social beings. God made us. Like he created, again, this is an impulse in us to interact socially, to attach with others, and to love others. Like that just comes from God. And yet, every time we love someone, because it's a fallen world, and they're a fallen being, and so am I, we're not perfect, there is a danger in love of being hurt or hurting the other and there being some kind of suffering involved in it. And the pain of that, frankly, can be enormous. And yet time after time, generation after generation, epoch after epoch, we as humans willfully enter in to these relationships and love someone because the beauty and the love they offer us outweigh so much the pain and the suffering. And that's a way to understand the beauty and complexity of life, the the beauty of life itself, frankly, that the arms race, as one scientist called it, between viruses and bacteria is somehow worth it to us, more importantly to God, along with the pain that it brings. And what we never want to do is minimize the pain and the individual suffering people experience, whether it's because of love or whether it's because of the coronavirus. That suffering is real. It's a call on Christians to be with others, to mitigate their suffering. When someone suffers pain from love, there's pain in a marriage right now, for instance. God calls us as believers to lean into our friends at this time and help mitigate even their suffering from love as well as from the havoc this virus is creating, and to be co-sufferers with others in identification with Christ. I think the wonder, for me, comes back in, even in the middle of all of this, because we talk about things that we know and things that science can know. And just when you start scratching the surface of of the complexity of what God has made. It just takes you right back to a place of awe. Cause you're like, we can never in a million lifetimes be able to even come up with a name for every virus or bacteria that exists. We're not going to discover them all. Uh, it's literally an impossible task. You could probably, you could probably for a, a second of every moment of your life, say the name of one of those viruses that we know and you wouldn't get to the end by the time you died. Mm-hmm. And and as we scratch below the surface of all of this, we have to ultimately what we what we put our hope in as Christ followers is that this is more than we can understand in some ways and that's okay. It is okay. It it points again to the fact that we are contingent beings. In this universe, we are contingent upon God. We are created by God. And I don't claim to be able to understand fully or, or that this podcast is, is explaining all the whys behind why this is happening. And when any scientist takes it upon themselves to make an unscientific claim that they or, or this nebulous thing called science explains everything— Science actually has only uncovered more questions mm-hmm. 
With every answer comes a manifold more questions. And the best scientists are those who are humble uh, in the face of what they don't know, whether they're a believer or not. And, and if I could finish here, all of existence is a risk of love. God took the risk of love to create existence and beings who could potentially be in relationship with God. It is the risk of existence in a contingent universe with free will and enormous systems like weather and biology, the systems of love, that's a system between human beings, and it's all contingent, and yet God thought it worth the risks and the pain. And then, we'll celebrate next week, Harrison, God entered the story in the middle of it, wrote himself into it, and appeared on stage as the hero. And he redeemed all of the pain that is the result of the risk of love by taking the pain upon himself at the cross as the God-man Jesus. As we will identify with him next week, and then he rose in victory over the pain, offering us his victory in the future through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the source of our hope. And it makes me hopeful sitting here right here today. Yeah, we're moving toward a kingdom where uh, all, all will be made right. All the wrongs are made right. And that's a beautiful thing to put our hope in. I quote the book of Revelation at every funeral. There will be no more tears, no more death, and God himself will be our light. We are uh, excited to share the conclusion of this season of Lent with you guys, so please join us this Sunday for Palm Sunday, and we are going to party hard on Easter. We sure are. (laughs) We have something really fun planned for Easter. This really fun that uh, you friends will uh, be invited to participate in as well at home. So I look forward to that. Hey, thanks for today, Harrison. I love that we found out. We didn't know till we sat down here that we have a shared love of of the devotional my utmost for his highest. That's cool. I need to get back into it. I'm sparked now. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, uh, thanks for sitting down with us, everybody. Stay safe and stay home if you can. We'll see you guys Sunday online. All right. See you then. Later.